What's up, peeps? I'm Mark Zalmanoff, and I'm here to help you make good choices. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Make Good Choices podcast. I am your host, Mark, the fitness ninja Zalmanoff, and I have a fantastic guest with me today. This is always fun because I've literally never spoken to this guy until like five minutes ago, uh, but we're, we're Facebook friends, so you know, we're practically family. And uh, I, I love his content. I was just telling him how much I love his content. He's got a very interesting uh, position in this world, I believe, helps a lot of people and is really just a good fit for you guys to listen to. So I'm gonna give you a little background on this gentleman and then we're gonna roll into this. So he initially went into natural healthcare to save his mom's life after she was facing a debilitating condition doctors claimed would have her forever wheelchair bound. What a great like passion behind what you do. I love that. He now oversees 50,000 yearly patient interactions. He's an entrepreneur at heart. He mentors business owners and leaders on how to grow and scale their business. He's helped entrepreneurs save millions in taxes and reduce their tax burden by up to 96% every year because we all know taxation is theft. It is, it is. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Thaddeus Gala, how are you today, sir? Good, brother. It's great to be here, man. Looking forward to this. I appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to spend some time with us today. Um, we're going to get into all the things that you do. Again, I, I find it very interesting. Obviously, you know, you can call what I do healthcare or whatever, but, you know, it's kind of in the same realm a little bit. But the first thing that I would like you to share with our audience is who are you? Uh, that's a great question. I say I wear two hats, death and taxes. One is I help people avoid death and the other is I help people avoid taxes because nobody nobody likes either and people like to put both off as long as they can so we help people try to put them off as long as they can um, legally compliantly healthily so they can do what they want when they want with who they want um, yeah and really have the freedom to to not be chained by either health constraints or financial constraints that's uh I believe that's a message that most people should resonate with I don't know if they do but they should makes sense to me I agree. Yeah, I think I think most people. The problem is, is is that typically with health, most of us are reactive. We're not proactive. And then when it comes to finances, we're the same. We we we're, we're reactive in the sense of come April fifteenth, we say, oh shit, I gotta write this check. This sucks. And then they just muscle up and they do it, and then they push through to next year, and then they're doing the same thing again. So, um, you know, we we have we have some some good sense of urgency in the marketplace that that drives people to our products and services. Sadly because they, they typically don't take care of their health the way that they could and should, and they don't take care of their finances the way that they could and they should. So, but once you get those things lined up and you get the right habits in place, you know, I usually tell people in a couple hours, um, I can usually, usually add the equivalent of 54% uh, equivalent to their top line revenue. So if someone's making a million dollars, usually we can get them up to about $1.5 million in about two hours. I know that sounds weird, but that's what the average business owner that we help with um, um, experiences when they really understand how to reduce and eliminate their tax on the back end. That's incredible. That's making good choices for sure. <laughs> I, I would agree. That, well, here's the thing. Wealthy people understand the game. Wealthy people don't pay taxes. So wealthy people understand the, the nuances, the subtleties, and the, the commonly... I mean, I was, on a, I was on an interview earlier today with a gentleman, and he's doing you know, several millions of dollars a year. And um, you know, he, he ended up writing a seven-figure check to the government for taxes. And I went through a real commonly overlooked tax strategy. 
And uh, we just saved him, I think it was around $760,000 just by him interviewing me. Um, in real time, we saved him about $760,000 in terms of, um, of, of money back into his pocket. That's incredible. Uh, we, there's a lot of business owners and entrepreneurs that listen to this because that's kind of the circle of people that I run with. So uh, we'll make sure to get your info <laughs> later so people can reach out to you because that is definitely helpful. Um, I, I want to talk a little bit about the mom story yeah. because, you know, a lot of us, we, we find our passions through experience in life and then we, we go head on to it. So yeah. as much as you want to share, like talk about what happened to your mom, what was she diagnosed yeah. with? And then how did that turn into you doing what yeah. you do? Yeah, that's a great question, Mark. So I would say that, you know, for, for me, it was, I, I was, I was, so imagine being 10 years old and you're, 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 you're tasked with remodeling the kitchen with your family to get ready for for your mom's wheelchair and to watch my mom go from vibrant vitality working some to sundown on the homestead that, that we grew up on to full disability was actually absolutely heartbreaking so what i say is you know imagine you know putting yourself in that scenario where you have a family member that is that is absolutely destitute and as a kid no less right when you look at your parents as your heroes and you know right. they're they're your world right and to see that fall apart was absolutely heartbreaking for me. And so I, I decided to pursue a career in natural healthcare. And because all the doctors said that nothing could be done. They all said, we don't know what's wrong, but whatever it is, it's progressive. You're going to be spending the rest of your life in a wheelchair, have a nice life. And so our, our you know, my mom tried a lot of different things. She, she, she kept trying other doctors and just never found any solutions. So I went into natural healthcare. And as a result, fast forward now, she's in her 70s. She just started running and winning 5K races. Oh God, she's in awesome. complete remission. She's off all of her pain meds. And she's our lead health coach. And she has to find younger and younger friends just to keep up with her. So <laughs> I always say she's my longest case study. And of course, I love her to death. And I'm selfishly trying to get her as healthy as I can and keep her as healthy as I can because I want her to be around for as long as possible. So I, I have a selfish vested interest in keeping her around because I love her so much. So when you say natural, natural health care, like what type of educational path did you take and what type of background do you have now to, to continue yeah. to facilitate that? Yeah, great question. So I went into chiropractic school um, because I figured that, that was that was the best natural healthcare um, um, avenue and path at the time. I still think it's it's it, it's absolutely amazing and and fabulous. Um, and so I, I went into chiropractic, and I was fortunate enough to to be presented with some amazingly brilliant scientists, researchers, practitioners, clinicians, etc. Uh, Dr. David Seaman and Dr. Lauren Cordain, and I was I, I got exposed to them, and that was just absolutely um, absolutely monumental in the foundational experience that I was that I that I that I garnered when I was in school, and then afterwards I even went on to publish a case study with uh, Dr. David Seaman, um, and then even even right now I'm working on um, finishing up my PhD on reversing Parkinson's um, with Dr. Um, George Einstein, who's actually um, Albert Einstein's uh, I think second cousin or nephew. And he looks just like him and he's brilliant, just like him. <laughs> so I'm finishing up a, a cohort. We have, a, I think there's like 27, 27, 28 patients. I think it was 27 patients um, that, um, that we put through a, a study on how to reverse Parkinson's. Now, my mom didn't have Parkinson's. She had a form of fibromyalgia and, and other health issues. But, but I figured, look, if, if our results, if, if, if I, we can help people reverse Parkinson's, then we can help people reverse a lot of things because most doctors will tell you that Parkinson's can't be reversed. And we've had uh, tremendous success with our patients. I think we're at, we're at, we have about a 
percent success rate with our with the people that we went through our initial pilot program. So when I look at that and I look at how many people are suffering out there, just like our family did, I realize that there's a lot of people that are suffering needlessly that that don't that, that they don't need to and they shouldn't be, and they're struggling and it's not doing anyone any favors, just giving them more medications. So to me, it's, it's changing up that perspective and it's changing up that conversation and really showing people what's possible and what, what's, yeah, what, what's possible and what they can do uh, when they really um, make the changes in life. So when somebody, somebody gets diagnosed with Parkinson's, you're talking about reversing this disease. I want to talk about this. It. It's super interesting to me. Yeah. Is there a stage where they're too far gone? Is this for everyone? What's good the question? Availability. I mean, obviously, a ton of factors come into this. Yeah, yeah, great question. So, I always tell people, look, as long as you're breathing, you're and you're alive, then then there's hope and there's things that can be done to improve the situation. And currently, right now, we're still at a at a a bulkhead of there are some limitations that we just haven't quite fleshed out yet. Now, I really do believe that that when you look at time and we look at the exponential growth. Uh, you look at things like Moore's law, et cetera, that, and you think of, of, of you know, any rate of, of change and improvement, um, that there would be a time where we, where we likely would be able to be using, whether it's stem cells or 3D printing of organs or these other things that we can be doing that we really can tack on a tremendous amount of life. Now, that's still a ways away, um, but with the, even the practices that we have right now, if you do the right things, there's a tremendous amount that you can that you can do to reverse the most debilitating of conditions. So with something of Parkinson's, there's several stages of Parkinson's. And typically when people, we work with people, we're able to either typically slow down, stop, or even reverse. So I tell people if you're like if you're at a stage three, we can we can typically get you to either slow down or stop or stay there, or potentially even reverse one or two stages back. So if you're stage three, right. you could go back maybe to stage two or one. If you're stage two, you can go back to stage one or completely asymptomatic. Or if you're stage one, usually you can make it go away. I mean, I, I, had, a, I had a friend that, that came over one time and I saw that he had some resting tremors in his hand. And um, I, I just gave him um, a, a few key supplement recommendations and his tremors were gone within um, almost overnight. And, he's, and he'd had them for, I think, months. So sometimes it's just a key nutrient deficiency. Other times you have to take out whatever is causing the brain to rot and to, and to fall apart and to turn into mush. So you have to remove that, those inflammatory agents that are causing that and then put in the right building blocks so then the body can, can um, start to heal and, and come around itself. So, so why, in your opinion, your, un, your totally unbiased opinion, <laughs> why isn't alternative treatment more acceptable at least in our country, I don't really care yeah. about war, but like, you know, as a, as a fitness professional, my first line of defense is always chiropractic care. That's yeah. the first place I tell yeah. people to go, you know, unless I yeah. like broke something, there's a bone, you know, that's a different yeah. story, but sure. you know, yeah. there's still such an, a, an adversity to going, you know, what we call a more natural path. Why is that? Yeah. It's a great, it's a great question. I think, unfortunately it's um, you know, it's conventional wisdom. You know, and it's like the phrase, right? If first people laugh at you, you know, then, then they then they get mad at you, and then they uh, and then they accept it as, as the common knowledge. So, you know, and, and then they're joining you in the end. So I think I think unfortunately it's just that mainstream medicine and pharmaceuticals have such a grip on the conversation that they've monopolized it in our in, in the, the minds of the American public. So we have the AMA, 
we have Dr. Fauci, we have all these things that are so strong and so powerful that if you if your your narrative is different than that, then you're the tallest dandelion in the field and you get chopped first. So there's a tremendous amount of pressure from regulatory boards and agencies to 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 that, that stymies the growth, right? And 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 you have so much energy and momentum going towards medications. And to be fair, the U.S. a lot of people in the U.S. they they want quick fixes, you know, they they want cheap and easy. So it's kind of the mindset of oh, I have to change my diet or make these changes or I can just take a blood pressure medication. <laughs> oh, well, I'll just take a blood pressure medication. And then my symptoms, you know, it's kind of like you have a check engine light on on your car and rather than getting it fixed, you just get a bigger piece of, of tape to put over it. And as that light gets brighter, you just get a bigger piece of tape. And, and that's easier than taking your car in to, to, get, it, to get it really fixed. So that mindset um, permeates our culture and our minds and, and, uh, and the minds of the American people. And so, and then there's the social proof, right? You see other people doing it, so that's what you do. And so if your doctor says, you have someone from authority that says, hey, there's nothing that can be done for your blood pressure. There's nothing that can be done for your Parkinson's, your Alzheimer's, your heart disease, whatever the case is. Then who are you as, as, the, un, as the ignorant public? And when I say ignorant, you're, you're not a doctor. So if you're an ignorant, someone that's ignorant and here's someone of authority telling you what to do, and then you look around and you see all these other people. So you have, so you have you know, Robert Caldini's principles of human influence, right? You have authority taking place. That, that's causing the, the response. You have social proof, which is uh, taking place. And then you have um, all the other factors that go in that, that you've been educated and indoctrinated since you were born that, that um, the, the doctors know best. You know? And after all, you know, it's like the phrase, after all, if there's something that can be done, don't you think we'd be doing it by now? I mean, look at you know, all this, but you know, I, I digress, but it's, it's um, it really is sad that we've let it come to this because so many people suffer um, unnecessarily and they'll actually hold on to it. And they'll fight against it um, because, you know, I say, hey, hey, you can improve your Parkinson's, your Alzheimer's. Oh my gosh. You know, if you could do that, you know, my doctor would have told me by now, gosh, you're such a quack. And they, they actually double down. And the sad thing is, is they're the one that, that's losing. They're losing time. They're losing life. And they don't have the luxury of time. They don't have the luxury of life. And they're and they're, you know, they're the ones that are losing out by doubling down on their antiquated beliefs, as opposed to saying, "Oh, well, let me, let's look at this and let's see what other options might be out there." That's it's a great point, and I think it's something that we've seen publicly over the last couple of years now, with COVID. You know, so in the beginning, I don't think you know most of us, us common folk, we didn't know what the hell was going on. So it's like yeah. they said, put a mask on. Like, yeah, whatever. Okay, I'll put a mask on. You know. It's the plague coming. Like, that's what it felt yeah. like in the beginning. Like, oh, shit, everyone, yeah. we're literally going to have bodies stacked up in the streets, right? Right. And then when we start to understand, okay, it's not that bad. And then a little bit more, okay, it's really not that bad. Okay, now it's, yeah, people are dying, but most of those people have issues anyway. And, yeah. and we have this evolution, but then people kept doubling down even harder on the restrictions, even harder on the mask, yeah. even harder on the vaccination statuses and all that. And we're there and you still see it like just afraid to let go and say, you know what, I'm, I was probably wrong about that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we knew from right from the beginning, it was really clear right in the beginning that that, um, you know, the, you know, oxygen and ventilators didn't didn't do much. You know, I think some of those initial studies showed that once once you're put on a ventilator, it was maybe, you know, two to five percent survival rate kind of thing. So it really just kind of prolonged it. And we knew that that was more in stage efforts to try to save lives. But it was also pretty clear that right in the beginning that the, the highest risk group was older males with comorbidities. And so 
you know, for me, it was, it was, you know, let, 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 let the public decide what's best for them. I mean, heck, I have enough time deciding what's best for me, let alone telling someone else what's best for them. So, so to have a central authority, a governmental agency tell you what you should and shouldn't do um, on, on private property between two consenting adults, it just didn't seem to add up for me. And, and I think that's where education, inspiration, motivation um, comes in, in terms of really educating people and then letting them decide what's going to be best for them. And to me, that's part of it, right? It's saying, look, you can either take this blood pressure medication and that's not going to fix it, or you can do these lifestyle changes and that will very likely, if not guaranteed, change it and fix it. So it's, it's telling people, it's telling people, you know, I always say it to our team, I say, look, let's tell people exactly what we believe they need and what we believe is best for them. And then let's give them what they want, whatever they want, we'll give it to them. But let's tell them what we think is going to be ideal. And then we'll just work backwards from there. Now, we have a lot of people that say, yes, well, let's just go for ideal. And then we have other people that say, oh, yeah, well, you know, I'll get around to it. I want to continue with my, my cheeseburger, my fries, or whatever the case may be. And so they say, yeah, just give me the med, doc. And that's fine, you know, if that's what they want to do. And in, in case you didn't know, I fully agree with that. Uh, you know, I've talked about personal responsibility for years. Because... Yeah. You know, we, we have access to information at an unprecedented amount, you know, more than we've ever had. So it's not a knowledge thing that we're lacking. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and it just baffles me that people aren't encouraged to take responsibility more, especially for your own body, yeah. much less anything else. Well, well here's the thing. Uh, you know, information does not equal implementation. And you can give people the best information in the world, and very few people will do it. I mean, I've, I've taught workshops on how to turn $10,000 into a million dollars in six months or in six years passively. And I've shown people how to do this multiple times. And I come back a year later and I say, well, have you done it yet? Oh, well, no, I'm kind of getting around to it. You know, we'll see. It's like, I got busy. It's like, it's been 12 months. Like, there, you can find time to do this in 12 months because <laughs> it only takes 40 hours to do this. You know, when, when I educate people on this and they just, they just, don't do it. So I think it really is this case where we, where we, we know what we need to do and we oftentimes have the information, but we, but what happens is we don't recognize the power of environment. And we don't recognize that unless we drastically change our habits and our scenario and our, um, our, and our setting, we're not going to change the outcome because you're likely going to wake up around the same time, you're gonna to go to the same job or do the same things. Then you're gonna come home and you're gonna make dinner and you're gonna go watch Netflix and you're gonna to go to bed and you're gonna repeat. And then maybe on the weekends, you're gonna play with the kids. And very few people are willing to change or to drastically, drastically break that or reset that. So I think for me, you know, uh, one of the things I look at is that, you know, to, to get anywhere new, you have to break something and you probably have to give up something that you've worked really hard for. So for me, I worked really hard to become, to become um, bright enough and get good enough grades to get into chiropractic school. And then, but I had to leave a lot of my friends behind and go from Oregon all the way to Florida to go to chiropractic school to work hard for that. So I had to, I had to leave a lot of relationships, leave my family, et cetera. Then when I came back and I became a physician and I actually started making money and I, was, I, I had quote unquote made it, right? I had a clinic, my first clinic, it was successful. I was seeing patients, I was making good money. And I thought, well, do I want to do this the rest of my life? And I thought, well, no, I don't want to be seeing patients the rest of my life. I, I, there's a much bigger things I want to be doing and, and playgrounds I want to play in and, and impact I want to do. And I want to create more jobs. I want to create more businesses. And so 
I realized that I was gonna have to break myself again. And I was gonna have to give up something that I'd worked really hard for. And that was, I had to give up being, being a doctor in the sense of I stopped seeing patients. So here I'd been working so many years to get to the point where I could see patients. And then it was, and it was hard, but it was hard to make that decision. But like, okay, now I got to give this up and now I got to work on the business. And then I realized, well, gosh, even working on the business, that's that like to get to the next level, I have to break that. So I had to then acquiesce and then hire team members. So like right now in the clinics, I work about an hour a year or I'm sorry, about an hour a month on our clinics. We have an amazing, amazing team and they, they do everything. I just check in with them about an hour a month. But to get to there, and a lot of people think, ah, that's amazing. You have all these clinics, you have all these patients yeah. and you're not doing any work, which they're right. That's amazing. But I had to regularly give up something that I'd worked really hard for and an identity that I'd established each step of the way to get to where I am now. And even right now, I'm in the process of completely changing everything that I'm, I'm doing right now. I mean, one of my projects we're working on right now is we have our annual retreat coming up and we have Gary Vaynerchuk is going to be our headliner uh, in April. And we have some amazing entrepreneurs, some amazing people that are going to be coming. And I'm just thrilled and I'm just, you know, I'm tickled pink because there's going to be so much that I'm going to learn. And it's going to be an awesome group of entrepreneurs that I'm going to, I'm going to be able to hopefully provide some good value for and get some value from just from the normal interactions of the way those events and retreats take place. So for me to get to there and be able to do that, I had to break myself and give up a lot of things I'd sacrificed. And most of us aren't willing to do that to get to the next level because we're comfortable enough with where we are. And we're in this, we're in this more or less success trap where things are good enough, but good is the biggest killer of great. Yeah. But we stay stuck. I, I see it a lot too with <clears throat> that identity piece is huge because we get so attached to, like I said before, you know, we, I don't think we ask enough people who they are because right. we introduce ourselves. Oh, what do you do? And you say, oh, I do this. And then, oh, what do you do? And we talk about what we do instead of like, well, no, who are you as a human being? Like, yeah. how do you exist in this world? But yeah. we root, especially men, we root our identity in our labels. And then when those yeah. labels go away, we don't know who the hell we are anymore. And I think that's why people will, and I don't even want to say shrink back. Like you can still be wildly successful, and but you root yourself in that identity and you keep yourself from moving on to whatever that greatness is that's on the other side of that. And, yeah. and you're right. It's hard. And, and, and I'm sure you get it sometimes too. People are like, Oh, it must be nice. You know, you're like, yeah, it's fucking nice. Cause I worked my ass off to get here. Yeah. 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 What do they say? It's, it's amazing. People say, Oh, how lucky you are. And you say, gosh, it's amazing because the harder I work and the longer I work, the more lucky I seem to be, you yeah. know, it's, it's the, it's the proverbial overnight, you know, 25 year overnight success, you know? Um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, and that's the thing, right. Cause when you talk about the ego, we get, we get, we feel, hey man, I'm I'm great, and you know, I would come in, and patients would be, oh, Doctor Gala, you know, I'd walk into rooms, and I got I got so well known locally that I'd walk into a room, and patients would 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 you could tell that they were physically and visibly excited that they finally got an appointment with me. Oh my gosh, I'm with Doctor Gala, like the Doctor Gala, and um, you know, and 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 I had to give that up, you know, and that was hard for me because. It even dragged on longer than, than, I, than it should have because I said, oh, well, there's some patients that would only see me. Well, you know, at the end of the day, they, they will go see someone else. So for a while, I had maybe one day open on a week on the schedule. And then I had one month on the week, you know, and then it was, okay, I just don't see patients anymore. We just drew that line in the sand. And that was hard because I, I didn't quite fully know or embrace what the, my next identity or what my next project was going to be. But I knew that there was something bigger that I wanted to do. So it was, it was taking that risk of stepping into it. And so many of us, 
you know, so, so, so many of us will, 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 would rather sit in displeasure than take a risk on uncertainty. And yeah. so a lot of us will sit where we're at. And even though we may not enjoy it, or we know that it's not our highest calling or, or fulfilling our deepest purpose out of fear of the unknown of stepping into something great. It's the discomfort we know. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's well said. Yeah. What is it? We, 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 we would stay in the discomfort we know, then trade it for the discomfort we don't. Yeah. Amen to that. It's so weird. It's so weird. Um, I did want to touch on something. You, you mentioned something before about like stem cells with, with treatment and stuff. We're obviously advancing dramatically on the technology side of things. Right. Um, you know, how, how we can utilize technology, the things that we can do. I mean, even, to, you know, there's some of the surgeries that are done nowadays that just blow my mind that they're, you know, people are in and out in a couple of hours and we just fix right. the entire knee, right? Yeah. Do you have any ethical concerns with things that we can solve, you know, maybe whether it's stem cells, cloning organs, things like that, where, you know, a, a person might say we're toting the line of playing God. Yeah, you know, I think I think there's an argument to be made for where you know if if we're uh, maybe where those uh, materials for the intervention are coming from, you know, if we're taking them from, let's say, you know, um, you know, if we're, if we're if we're taking them from, you know, cells that would that are going to be a baby or something or a human, you know, I think there's there's an argument around that, right? So, um, but in terms of, I mean, I guess maybe it depends on on the vein of your question. I mean, are you thinking more of, you know, if we're taking you know, um, stem cells from maybe like, like, you know, like, like fetuses or something, or you mean more just in general of, of, Hey, like if you can 3d print an, or a new heart with your own cells, is there anything wrong with that? Yeah. Really any of it, honestly. Yeah. I think, I mean, I think the latter, I think if you're using your own stem cells and you can, and you can 3d print your own heart and you can grow a new heart for yourself, I, I don't see anything wrong with that. I, I, I think that, I think that'd be phenomenal. I'd sign up for that. Um, I mean, you don't have to do, you know, the organ rejection and all the transplant stuff. I mean, the fact that you get to use your own cells and you get a, you know, you get a heart of a 20 year old and it's your own heart when you're, you know, 70, because there's a thing getting old, pe people don't like the idea of getting old, not for the sake of getting old, but they get, they, they, they don't like getting old for what it typically represents for the vast majority of the population. So when you think of someone old, you think of someone unable, or you think of an invalid and yeah. they're not able to engage and enjoy life. But I say this. Imagine if you were 80 years old, but you felt and you acted, you had the flexibility, the mobility and the mindness and the, the mindfulness and the sharpness as you did when you were 30 or 40 or even 50. So now imagine if you were able to continue that on, right? So maybe, maybe, cause, cause I mean, you think about, you know, people when they're in their seventies or eighties, they're really at the height of their influence and their ability to have an impact. I mean, they've worked so hard to get to that point where they have maybe a team or they have a following or a brand or influence in the marketplace or the relationships they've created. And they're maybe 70 years old and they're really like, they've worked so hard to create all of this, this infrastructure, both financially and relationship wise. And then they're gone versus now imagine if they had another 20 or 30 years of vitality that they really could mm. go and make, and make a big impact. So it's not, it's not that it's getting old. It's the things that we don't like that are typically associated with getting old. And that's being an invalid and not being able to engage in life. But if you were, you felt like you did when you were 30 or 40, I'm willing to bet most people would, would want to keep living um, and they'd want to be going on if they felt that vibrant. Yeah. So with, with, your, with your knowledge, your experience, the things that you've seen, the research you're doing, like what's the human potential here? 
you know, I think the oldest person in the world right now is is 115 ish somewhere. I think the oldest recorded yeah. person ever is 123. You know, to make it to 100 is kind of a big deal. And I know a lot yeah. of people do it, but it's still kind of a, a huge benchmark. Yeah. Like, what, what's the potential to keep the vitality that you're talking about? Yeah. In humans. Well, I think, you know, I think the number of centenarians, people have gotten to 100, I, I believe it was, I have to check these exact stats, but I think before, I think maybe like 10, 15 years ago, it was maybe one in 8,000. And I think now it's around one in 4,000. Oh, wow. So it's, again, it's been a while since I've looked directly at those stats. Um, last time I did, I think it was when we hosted a longevity summit a couple of years ago. Um, and so I, I think it's something maybe such as that, but you got to think that, that it's this, it's, I forget what the exact stat is, but it's something as like for every year, we add almost, you know, 0.2 years of life expectancy kind of thing. So for every year that you live, you know, if you live a year, well, you're, 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 you're arguably going to get another 0.2, right? So, so wherever you're at, you can just add 0.2 for every year that you have that, that you can probably tack on to your projected lifespan. And I think there's going to be a time where that's going to, where it likely will, will be somewhat exponential. I think right now, I think right now, given the technology that we have, given the research, given all the resources, given everything that we have today, I think there's a really strong case to say that, that people right now could genuinely live to be about 150, just using the best practices that we have today. And that's not assuming any rate of improvement over the next couple you know, years, decades, et cetera. But if you factor those things in, you know, I, think, I think it starts to change drastically. But I, th I think 150 is very doable right now today with what we already know. That's so fascinating. You know, Aubrey de Grey talks about the first person to live to a thousand. He thinks is alive today. You know, he thinks, you know, it's kind of like, it's kind of like the, the escape velocity of, of, of death. You know, if, if you get ahead, ahead of that curve, then, then you'll, you'll get so that, that you'll live long enough that you can live forever with the idea being that, that new technologies keep coming out that then uh, perpetuate uh, life and sustainability. At what, okay, so a thousand years old. At what point does that mentally become maddening? Well, that's the thing, right? I mean, who's to say that it already isn't mentally maddening? I mean, I mean, I mean, here's the thing, right? I mean, if you were if you were seventy years old or you were hundred years old and you were you had vitality and vibrancy and you were really sharp and you were really engaged in life or you had great grandkids that you were really having fun with, um, you know, it's finding those things that 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 get you excited, right? So it's, it's, it's really, it's really finding those things that, 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 that gets you excited to wake up in the morning. And I think those, I think that comes from new challenges, taking on new problems, solving, solving and creating solutions. Um, I, I think, I think if we do that, then we stay engaged in life. And then I think that we're always uh, being mentally rewarded just from, just from showing up in the world and solving problems for ourselves and for others. There's a, do you watch any of the Marvel movies? Some, yeah. So they, it, the Eternals came out last year and it's the, you know, these characters are all like 7,000 years old and there's something that can happen to them where they basically go mad because they've lived for so long. Right. They've, they've witnessed and experienced so much death and destruction and heartbreak over the years that they, they just go mentally mad. So it's yeah. a very interesting concept to me, like, okay, yeah. now, now we can really live a really long time. Do we really want to do that or not? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think, I think there's, there's, a, there's a little story that, that reminds me of, and it's along the lines of, of someone saying, you know, um, th th this, this, this individual would, would wake up every day and he'd, and he'd look out and he would cry. And he said, well, well, you know, why are you crying? And he said, well, it, it's not because there's so much pain and there's so, so much suffering. It's because 
the world is so beautiful and, uh, and we also know that time is so, so short and precious. So I really do think that it comes down to the optimistic phrase of, you can look at it as maddening or you can look at it as an amazing gift. Yeah. Um, for, so I really, I think that comes down to, you know, it's in the eye of the beholder of how you, how you want to view it. And, and I think the people that you surround yourself with, I mean, if I could hang out with my best friends every single day and do whatever I wanted, either whether it was going on adventures or having great talks or solving problems or bringing joy to other people, uh, I don't know how that would ever get old. I mean, imagine if you had so many resources that every day you could wake up and you could, you could write a check for a million dollars to, to solve some major problems. Like what if you could write a check right now for a million dollars and you could, you could provide food and housing for, let's say, you know, um, I don't know, maybe I'm just making up a number, but a thousand kids that were suffering. Right. I mean, that'd be pretty cool, right? And then to actually go meet those kids and talk to them and see how their lives improved. So I think it's, it's just like anything in life. <clears throat> life, life ends when we stop engaging. And, and that's why retirement, I think it's such a bad word because when you retire, you're, you're being put away because you're tired. And, and I think that's why we know when people stop their job or they, or they quit their job or they're going to retirement, life expectancy drops off precipitously. But those people that stay engaged and they volunteer, whether it be with their organizations or churches or friends or nonprofits, or they even have a part-time job or, they, or they're engaged with their kids or great grandkids or whatever the case may be, those people that have purpose and meaning, they, they continue to flourish for months and years. I love it. I love it. So, and this is, I'm going to say this is for people listening, but it's really just for me. If somebody wanted to do more research into this, because this is truly fascinating to me of like yeah, longevity studies and, and technology that's being created and reversing this d- diseases like Parkinson's, like where would, where would the common person start as far as resources other than following you, of course, yeah. uh, you know, reading material, people, other people to follow influencers and, and stuff like that. Yeah. Great question. You know, people I like to follow would be someone like, you know, Aubrey de Grey, Peter Diamandis, people like that, I think are good. I think you could also just do a search. I mean, I mean, here's, here's the thing. So one, one of, one of, one of, um, one of the things I've committed to is, is building the world's first largest, um, first and largest natural holistic health hospitals. And to do that, I, I realized it's going to take a lot of money. So for me, I thought, okay, so if I, if I, if I can make a billion dollars, then I could probably do it. So what's the best way to make a billion dollars? Given my skill sets, I'm pretty good at real estate. I think I can do that. So I really just did a search online. And I just said how to make a billion dollars in real estate. Cause if I do that, I can just write a check for it. Cause we had funding for it, but then COVID happened and that fell apart. So I just did a search and you know, who showed up was Grant Cardone. So Grant Cardone showed up and I thought, okay, so he's a multi-billionaire. So I probably have some things I can learn from. Now, I already have millions of dollars of real estate and thought I was doing pretty well. But then I went to one of his workshops. I said, okay, well, I'm just going to surround myself because he obviously knows what he's doing. And I, I can probably leapfrog, you know, a lot of, you know, heartburn just by, just by following what he's doing. And so I went to one of his workshops, signed up for one of his, 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 um, his mastermind group and just wrote the check to be as close as I could to source because I know I'm going to learn a tremendous amount. So it was, it was, it was. To me, it's several things. There's a lot of free resources online, right? You can just go to a binge, just do a search for what you want to accomplish. So if you want to say, you know, what's the best way to live to 150? What's the best way to, to live forever? You know, just do a search for that and start finding people putting the content out like that. Um, and, then, and then whoever you can, I would say, try to, you know, it depends on how motivated you are, try to get as close to source as you can. So whoever it is that you find, go, go try to figure out how can I join their groups? How can I join their mastermind? How can I... How can I, um, 
you know, how can I get as close to them, their information and their circle as I can? Because if you can develop a genuine relationship with them, there's going to be so many things that you're going to, that you're going to pick up on and you're going to learn, then you're going to get out of an hour webinar or watching a YouTube video. So don't be afraid to write the check for and be around whoever it is that you want to be around that you want to be like, or you want to learn from or glean from as much as you can. That's awesome, man. We talk about that a lot in, uh, I don't know if you're aware of Apex, but this network we're in with a bunch of, you know, pretty, pretty big players in, in business and life. And, and we, we really hammer that home, like pay to be in the room. It always yeah. pays. It's never not paid off for me. I can guarantee you that. 100%. Well, it's the thing, it's this, right? I mean, I always use the example. If you want to be the world's best crab fisherman, you wouldn't go to the middle of Arizona. <laughs> if you want to be the world's best crab fisherman, you would probably go where? You'd probably go to Alaska. You'd probably, you know, start talking with, with some of those people. You'd probably try to get on a boat, maybe, maybe work as, a, as an apprentice, get a job, start learning the ropes, right? If that's what, if that was your goal. I'm not saying it's your goal or should be, but if it was, that's what you do. So now the same is reverse. If you want to get as, as healthy as you can for as long as you can, follow, surround yourself with the people that are already doing it and just, and, and, and invest in, in that. And I think, I think, you know, here's the thing. It's, it's people spend money on all kinds of stuff, but for some reason, when it, when it comes to personal development, people kind of have this hedge against it. For some reason, they have this block when I look at it simply as it's just, it's just part of the cost of doing business. You know, if I want to grow my business, I have to hire a key team member because that key team member is integral in getting said tasks done. Right. I mean, if I wanted to grow, if I wanted to grow our, our clinics, I need to hire a doctor because we need a doctor to see patients. Right. So that's part of the investment in it. And so for me to get to the next level, I have to break myself and I have to grow myself. So it's just part of the investment is writing a check to be in the room or to hire a mentor or to hire a consultant. And it's, it's just part of the cost of doing business. So, yeah. but for some reason, when people look at that, they kind of get bent out of shape and, um, and they, and they don't, and they don't, um, you know, write the check, unfortunately, but you know, it's, I'm not saying that you have to write a check to grow or, or to learn, but anytime you do I know that when you pay, you pay attention and you're going to get a lot more out of it. And, and you're also going to be in circles and near people that you otherwise wouldn't. And there's going to be so many things you don't even know you don't know that you're going to benefit from that, that you can't even predict. Like even today, right? Us jumping on this call. I mean, I, I, I have no idea and, and no, in, no um, preconceived expectations of what would come out of this call from our relationship. But I have no doubt that us just even doing this, that and it's likely going to increase the chances of maybe us collaborating or working on something or doing something or who knows in the future together, because that's what it is. It's, it's making connections and it's, and it's, it's constantly up-leveling. Amen to that. All right. I got one more question for you. Shoot. My other question. <laughs> so, you know, as I mentioned, you, you post great stuff. Again, I love your content. Um, you know, you, you are not afraid to put your opinion out there, which is always a good thing. Yeah, I'm acquired taste. That's for sure. <laughs> if you knew that the next thing you posted would go viral, mm. like viral, viral, everybody's talking about what Dr. Gallup posted. What yeah. would you want that post to contain? Well, that's a great question, man. I love that. Um, oh, man. Um, how, how many characters do I have? <laughs> Much as you want, man. <laughs> You know, I would, I would, I would, I would really talk about what we're doing. You know, to me, it, the first thing that comes to mind is kind of a culmination of what we're doing with our annual retreat. And that really is, um, and, it's, and it's not, it's not a plug for it, but to me, that's, that's a culmination of, of a lot of my life's work is mm. that. So it would be, and that would be around really impressing upon people. Look, you can, you can be much healthier than you've been led to believe. And 
you don't have to pay taxes like you've been led to believe. And there's plenty of people that have met, that have optimized health and, they've, they're, they're, and they have a significant amount of tax-free wealth that's growing for them every single year because they understand the system. They understand that, that wealthy people don't pay taxes and they surround themselves with people that have the compliant ways to do that. And they really recognize that, that the sovereignty and the empowerment and freedom of the individual is more, is more important than the collective because the collective wins when the individual's freedoms are protected. And when you, when you support and fight for the individual, that really is to the best interest and the best benefit to, to the collective and society as a whole. So it's putting the individual first versus collective. It's really empowering individual rights and trying to really work towards protecting that, that as first and foremost. And then, and then empowering people on how to take care of their health and wealth so that they can make an impact and make a difference in the world. People, people are much more powerful than they, than they um, allow themselves to believe and they can do much more in the world than, they, than they've told themselves, either directly or indirectly. So I would give people that message and then I would go into the actual how to do that so then people would start taking action in all those areas and really start making and seeing those changes. That is fantastic, sir. Dude, I, I really appreciate this. This has been fascinating and interesting to me. I hope everybody else enjoys this because I did. So that's all that really matters is that I enjoyed myself here. Um, tell the people where they can find out more about you, follow you, uh, where they can find out more about the summit that you have coming up and whatever, yeah. whatever else you want to plug. Yeah, so, so again, Thaddeus Gala, people can go to Instagram at uh, Gala Thaddeus. So it's my name in reverse, so Gala Thaddeus. Or they can go to my Facebook, Thaddeus Gala. Uh, I'm, and we also have our annual retreat coming up. I think I was saying we have Gary Vaynerchuk's going to be there, which he's going to be talking about Web3, crypto. I mean, I think he makes $200,000, a little over $200,000 every single day just from his NFTs being resold. I think he made $91 million in 90 days. So he's going to be talking about crypto, blockchain, NFTs, how people can have use cases in their business for that. We're going to be talking about with Bobby and Sophia Castro. They're going to be talking about um, how, how they grew, I believe, a three to $400,000 or three to $400 million real estate portfolio in just a few years. Um, so I'd say go to the guardiansretreat.com. Guardiansretreat.com is where the magic's happening. We're, we rented a private island that we're boating everybody out to for a party. Nice. Um, we have two amazing, two, two and a half amazing days in Puerto Rico on the Caribbean, right by the rainforest. It's going to be a gorgeous setting, amazing people. So if people are interested in up-leveling and taking, taking their health and their wealth and their ability to make an impact to the next level, and they want to be around successful entrepreneurs, such as Gary Vee, myself, Natasha Graziano, et cetera, I would say come hang out with us at the, at the uh, annual retreat. So that'd be the, the, um, the guardiansretreat.com. That's fantastic. Again, Thank you so much for your time today. Really, really appreciate you. Uh, go follow this man. It's interesting. It's uh, entertaining. If you align politically, you'll, you'll love it as well. <laughs> so, thank you so much for having me on. It was a pleasure. I yeah, really, really do appreciate it, Mark. Thank you. And uh, thanks for listening, guys. And until next time, y'all get out there, make good choices. Thanks so much for tuning in. I greatly appreciate it. If you would like to get a copy of my book, Make Good Choices, Head on over to the Amazons, type in Make Good Choices, or my name it should come up in either place. If you would like to connect with me for health and fitness coaching, shoot me an email at info at markzfitness.com or shoot me a text, 214-418-8872. That's the only phone number I got. It's been out there for a really long time. Hope you enjoyed the show, and until next time, keep on making good choices.